Hello and welcome back to Oro Valley Catholic. This is Father John Arnold. And we're celebrating the feast of Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, the body and blood of the Lord. And we're doing it in a part of us of an effort by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops aimed at a Eucharistic renewal. They're concerned that the understanding of the Eucharist is slipping amongst Catholics and people are not believing in the supernatural character of the Eucharist. And so if you don't believe that God can say, this is my body, this is my blood, and it becomes his body and his blood, uh, what the heck promise that he makes you do you think he can pull through on? If he can't turn bread and wine into God's body and blood, how does he turn your dead corpse into a living being that lives for all eternity? You know, we believe in the Eucharist because Christ said, eat this, drink this, do this. And it's really at the heart of the whole biblical understanding of the relationship with God. You know, the understanding, the experience of the miraculous in the Eucharist goes back a long ways. But one of the most famous examples of a Eucharistic miracle is the bloody corporal in a place in Orvieto, Italy. It actually occurred in a town nearby Orvieto named uh, Bolsena. And I got the opportunity to visit Orvieto and see this evidence of this Eucharistic miracle from 1263 AD. Stayed in a little t hotel on the outskirts and uh, the Italians love to eat, the Italians love to drink, but they like to do it until like the wee hours. So I was trying to sleep above the dining room with all the Italians laughing below. It was kind of neat in one way, but I was tired. But here's the story of Bolsena and the Eucharistic miracle. In the year 1263, there was a German priest whose name was Peter of Prague, and he stopped to celebrate mass in the town in Bolsena named Bolsena, which is just outside of Rome. Um, the history describes him as being a very pious man, but he had trouble believing that Christ was really present in the Eucharist. We have parishioners that look at bread and wine and think, I, I just don't see Jesus there. Um, but they have to understand how God's presence is there under sac a sacramental sign. It's the sacramental sign of Christ's self-offering. And every time you participate it now in the year 2023, it's the very same self-offering as if you're at that uh, supper with him the night before he was crucified. Well, anyway, um, Peter of Prague is celebrating mass and while celebrating mass above the tomb of St. Christina uh, in Bolsena, which is the church, she's a martyr in Bolsena, He'd barely spoken the words of consecration, remember, this is my body. When blood started to seep from the consecrated host and trickle over his hands onto the altar in the corporal. Um, you know, there have been recent Eucharistic miracles where the uh, host is turned into, uh, into flesh. I know this sounds crazy, uh, but that God should pour his grace out on the world in a time when unbelief is undermining the entire human race. I've quoted Alexander Solzhenitsyn before, is what's the problem with the modern world? They have forgotten God. They think it all really just depends on them. Well, anyway, he's holding this bloody host and he's confused. And he, first he attempted, he said, to hide the host, I mean, to hide the blood, 
Now, but then he interrupted mass and asked to be taken to the neighboring city of Orvieto, which is up in the hills. It's where I was telling you I spent the night. The cathedral, by the way, which they built is beautiful. It's one line of white uh, blocks and green blocks, which is some kind of marble, I think. Maybe it's just a marble covering to a brick, uh, a brick structure. But it alternates these big white and green blocks going all the way up. It's really spectacular. The Italians know how to do it, but anyway. The Pope listened to what the priest had to say and absolved him from his sin of impiety, that is, not believing. And then he sent uh, his investigators to Bolsena. And after they talked to the people at Mass, and after they looked at the host, and after they looked at the evidence, they brought it back to Orvieto. And uh, what they brought back, and you can go see it in Orvieto today, is the corporal, which is the square white cloth that the priest celebrates Mass on. Uh, and it was soaked in blood. And so that's still there to this day. Thomas Aquinas was alive during that time. And so Pope, whose name was Urban IV, he ordered Thomas Aquinas uh, to compose a a mass uh, in honor of Corpus Christi. And our feast of Corpus Christi really goes back to this event and some other things in the high Middle Ages uh, around the Eucharist. But you know, Thomas Aquinas, one of our most famous theologians, he wrote Pangilingua, Sing My Tongue, The Savior's Glory. He wrote O Salutaris, Hostio, Saving Victim, Opening Wide. He wrote Tantum Ergo. He wrote Adoro Te Devote. Hymns that we still have, there have been different musical settings over time, but it's the same hymn. Um, like I was just one of many pilgrims who went to Orvieto uh, to see that and to wonder about it. Because i got to say, you probably think the same way. You don't disbelieve in the miraculous because you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But there is something about each of us that can be so distrustful. And so when we come up to the Eucharist and we come up as a mixture of belief and unbelief, uh, how much, why does God have to prove himself to us? Why shouldn't we just take him at his, his word and then do what he says? And here's what I mean. All roads lead to Genesis. And you remember that the problem of human beings, because it's yours, you're in my problem, is God tells us clearly what he wants us to do and we don't listen because... We say, yes, yes, like we'd say to our parents, and then, oh, go do our own thing. Do you remember the fall of Adam and Eve? How do they fall? Well, the fall is they're told not to eat of the tree in the garden. They can eat of all the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We all know the story. So the fall comes through an act of eating. Do you remember what Jesus says when he... um, he uh, takes the bread in his hands. Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. And so God commands Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus orders us to eat of the bread and the blood, drink of the bread of life and drink of the blood of life. And he says, do this in memory of me. Make me present. And that's why the, our understanding of the Eucharist is it's not disconnected from the Last Supper. It is connected through the Last Supper to the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of our Lord. 
It's why we say that when you go to Mass, you're participating in that Eucharistic miracle which transcends space and time. There are, like the Baptists say, it's just an ordinance. There's no supernatural aspect of it. It's just a symbol. You know, Flannery O'Connor, and you probably heard that, said, boy, if it's just a symbol to hell with it, who needs it? Uh, there's plenty of symbols. I mean, uh, a crucifix with Jesus on it is a symbol. That's all the bread is. I mean, why is it any more important than a crucifix? Even if Jesus says, all right, you don't have crucifixes yet, but here's some bread to remember me by. That's not what he says, especially in the readings today. And when he says in the Gospel of John, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He makes a huge deal of it. Buddha never says that. Muhammad never says that. Joseph Smith never says that. Confucius never says that. Your math teacher never says that. But Jesus said, if you want to live, take and eat. Why is that the key to salvation? Because clearly, according to the Lord, it is. You know, sandwiched between the story of the Garden of Gethsemane and the story of the, La the, story of the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane is the Last Supper and about this new rule for eating where you take and eat his body and his blood. And it replaces the rule for eating that the Jewish people had. And so let's just pause and think about kosher law. In the Mosaic law, kosher is required in the Torah. And um, kosher means food that is allowed to, you're allowed to eat, vegetables, lamb, goats, things like that. But treif is a word they use for things you are not allowed to eat. Uh, land animals must have cloven split hooves like um, uh, cows and goats and lambs. Horses don't have split hoods, so you can't eat them. Seafood must have fins and scales, so you can eat uh, seafood from the garden, from the lake of um, of Galilee. But you couldn't eat uh, clams. You couldn't eat shrimp. Um, you, you're forbidden to eat birds of prey. You can't eat birds that feed on other birds, but you can eat clean birds. So pigeons and chickens, poultry is allowed. Um, in dairy, you can't mix uh, meat and milk because that's what the pagans did. They boiled things in milk and offered them as sacrifices. So you can't have a cheeseburger. In fact, there are some Jews that are very orthodox, but they say you aren't even permitted within a certain period of time, hours after eating beef, you couldn't have a milkshake. You'd have to wait maybe till much later in the day or the next day, depending on who the rabbi is. Um, and that's how you eat and what you eat. Jesus sweeps all that away. Remember what he says, it's not what you put into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth. He says that in Mark. But he still gives us this meal to eat in all the gospels. You know, I've said it last week when I talked about the Trinity. God is a noun and a verb. The Eucharist is a noun and a verb. It's the Eucharistic species, the body and the blood. But it's also a verb because Eucharisteo means thanksgiving. It's the active reality of Christ's self-offering and that you're invited to take part of that because that is the saving reality. So the objective reality the real presence of Christ under the appearance of bread and wine, the sacred body and the sacred blood, the subjective experience, 
Christ's sanctification of us by our participation in that objective reality. A lot more can be said on that, what I just said. But if you get that you're part of that offering when you join yourself to it, when you come to communion, then you see the act of Christ in the world. You know, when uh, God said, Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he didn't tell them what would happen to them if he ate it. If you remember the snake says, the serpent says, oh, if you eat of it, uh, you'll, uh, you'll, no, Eve says, we'll die if we eat of it. God didn't say that. Um, Eve added to all of that. You know, when Jesus gives us the Eucharist, he doesn't tell us if we take and eat, he doesn't tell us what will happen to us. He tells us what to do. And that's why when we join our Lord at the Last Supper, every time we go to Mass, we're joining ourselves to this adventure of following our Christ through our lives. So let's take just a moment and go over the readings for the Feast of Corpus Christi. The Second Vatican Council said the Eucharist was the source and summit of the Christian life, not just bread and wine. The source, the Christ, the Eucharist is Christocentric. And the summit, it's the greatest experience, the deepest experience we have of communion with Christ. And so in the Catechism it says, for the blessed Eucharist is contained within it the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself, our Pasch. The Paschal uh, mystery is the mystery of death passing over us, and Christ is our Paschal sacrifice. But having thought about sacrifice, someone is sacrificed on the cross, like something is sacrificed on an altar, but the act of the sacrifice is, is the action word, it's a verb. It's why God is a word and a, a noun and a verb, Eucharist is a noun and a verb. This is God's action. So the Eucharist is not a what, it's not a thing, it's a who, a person. In John chapter 6, verse 51 and following, which is part of the readings, Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Action. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died, referring to the people in the desert under the Exodus. He who eats this bread will live forever. You know, the Eucharist is more than just a sign. It's a sign that actually points to something. It's a sign that makes somebody present. Uh, it's not like a stop sign, which just indicates an action. Um, it's your mother standing out in front of you, gesturing to stop, and then leading you safely through the intersection. This is the Eucharist. Uh, Jesus is our brother. He's our Lord and our God. Um, but even uh, in John 6, 50, uh, Chat, verse 52, Jesus says, Amen, amen, so I say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you, and my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. 
You know, when I was talking about kosher, and I talked about things that are treif, that is things you do not eat, like shellfish or clams or cheeseburgers, you clearly do not eat beef or meat that has blood in it because blood is life and life belongs to God. And so one of the things that Jewish people are shocked by is that Jesus tells them to drink his blood. Uh, it's, it's amazing if you understand the cultural backdrop. We don't have those sensibilities because kosher went away for Christians and what replaced it was the Eucharistic meal. But this understanding that it's Christ's blood that flows through us um, is to understand what St. Augustine said about the Eucharist. And he said this, when you and I eat, we take up something, vegetables or meat, into ourselves and get incorporated into our body. When we consume the Eucharist, he says, it's the same process except we're assumed into the body of a higher, of a higher reality. This is the side of nature, and, and Catholicism really is a religion rooted in the signs of nature, pointing back to nature's supernatural origin. And so the command to eat. You know, sometimes non-Catholic Christians who are very sincere ask, why do Catholics make so much out of the Eucharist? Or why do you insist on daily mass and receiving the Eucharist? It's because this is Jesus' command. Take and eat. If you eat his flesh and drink his blood, he will abide in you and you will abide in him. Uh, that's why Pius X at the beginning of the 20th century really urged uh, frequent and perhaps daily reception of the Eucharist. You're permitted to receive Eucharist once a day. Um, a second time, if you go to daily mass, then maybe go to a funeral or a wedding, but you're not allowed to just go to multiple daily masses and receive the Eucharist multiple times. Um, it's, it's an abuse of the sacrament. Uh, to take and eat is to trust that God is present under the, this, these species, um, these, these appearances of bread and wine. He, he uses other people as saints to, to work for salvation, but they're all fine. Uh, they're communion, they're koinonia, as St. Paul would say, um, in the, the flesh and blood of Christ at the Eucharist. You know, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians spends some time talking about the Eucharist. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, those two chapters, are the first Christian writings about the Eucharist. Probably all the Gospels are, um, are composed after Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. But he's already talking about the Corinthians, just like in Acts of the Apostles. Uh, breaking bread and uh, coming to the, the meal of the Lord. And St. Paul refers to it in, in our second reading. Uh, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there, if there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. That's why Paul goes on to say that you can't eat meat sacrificed to idols because you're participating in the body of a demon. And if you're participating in the body of Christ, you should have nothing to do with the demonic, um, which is how St. Paul and the early Christians saw paganism. And once you understand what their criticism is, they are demonic beliefs, the, the pagan beliefs. So uh, St. Paul, it gives us really the earliest image of the real presence of Christ. You know who was a great defender of it? was St. Justin Martyr. We just had his feast on June 1. 
Um, but he defended the early church against charges that Christians were cannibals. Uh, and he explained it. Uh, I mean, how do you find language to explain uh, the reality of the Eucharist? But uh, clearly the early Christians weren't saying, hey man, this is just a ritual meal. Everybody has rituals. This is ours. It's just bread. It's just wine. Uh, but we pretend we're eating with the Lord. That is not the reality. The reality is, is they understood that they were in communion with God uh, through his son by the consumption of this meal. And it wasn't in itself a metaphor, but it was a sacrament, a visible sign that pointed to the reality of communion with God. You know, um, I had a Hebrew teacher, Father Patrick, um, it'll come to me. Uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Great guy, Father Patrick. Um, he was an old time per, uh, priest and he taught Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And I took as much of that as I could just because I thought even if I wasn't proficient, I'd at least learn something. But he would talk about the burning bush um, and he loved that story. Do you remember um, it's the name of God? Uh, Moses asked the burning bush, um, what's his name? And what the burning bush is, it's, it's a tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, not pronounceable by the Jewish people out of respect for the divinity. Um, but uh, translated into English is, I am what I am. But Father Pat Kramer, there I knew it would come to my old mind, Father Pat Kramer, who's now gone. But Father Pat would say, the, the thing about it, he, he called Hebrew a baby language that nouns and verbs could, could be written very similarly or the same, and some were both, words were both a noun and a verb, you know? And so it is with this word, I am. Because I am means also I am what I do. It's more than God as the flame uh, breathing life into the world. Uh, he's the living reality of salvation in the world. And so the Eucharist, T.R. Chardin says the Eucharist is transforming, it's Christifying the world because as more and more people come to communion with God, they become Christified, they become deified. The Greeks would say theosis, uh, you come into communion with God. Um, can't underestimate it. And uh, boy, if you can't just do what God says to do, donate the, <laughs> from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, boy, you are not paying attention to the story. And so when Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, do it. All right, let's just say we're all there and let's bring this episode of Oro Valley Catholic to a conclusion. We Christians say that Christ fulfills the Old Testament. He doesn't abolish it, but he takes it and he lifts it up to what God always intended. If you go back to Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 to 12, there's a story of the El Moses and the elders of Israel dining with God on a mountain. And here's the story. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up the mountain and on the mountain, these men saw the God of Israel. He was standing on something that looked like blue sapphires, as clear as the sky. All the leaders of Israel saw God, but, did not, but God did not destroy them. They all ate and drank together. And the Lord said to Moses, Come to me on the mountain. I've written my teachings and laws on two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. These teachings and laws are for the people. 
I will give these stone tablets to you. Do you remember when Jesus is having his last meal and he says, this command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. God's saving action, God's commandments to us. You know, when actually Apostles picks up on the fulfillment of the Eucharist of this story in Exodus, um, and in chapter 10, it says about the resurrection, um, going back to Easter, this man, our Lord, God raised on the third day and granted that he be visible, not to all the people, but to us the witnesses, chosen by God in advance, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commissioned us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. So like the elders of Israel, friends, you and I are privileged to dine with God every time we go to Mass. And we have the commission uh, to take his gospel out into the whole world. So the Eucharistic miracle of Orvieto, if you ever get to Italy, it's a wonderful little town, quiet little Italian town. Maybe avoid the hotel I stayed in. It was kind of noisy, but I'm not sure that you conduct people having a good time in Israel, eating and drinking. But when you go into the Cathedral of Orvieto and you look at that corporal and you think about the Lord and his presence amongst us, deeply moving to recognize who's there to greet you at every Mass. And so the bishop is making us all aware, as all the bishops are in all the dioceses in our country, of the Eucharistic renewal, which we'll spend more time on in the next few years. Um, and here's what the bishops are asking. They ask that each parish responds in a unique way to four key invitations, which I'll probably try to make front and center for the next couple of years in our parish. I know Bishop is gonna to try to. First, that we reinvigorate our worship in our parish, how we think about worshiping God. You know, um, I, I think we, I think people find our masses very engaging, but let's, let's listen and see what people think. The second, to create moments of personal encounters uh, with, between Christ and, um, and his people. So Eucharistic adoration um, is obviously a, a priority. And how about uh, XLT, uh, which is uh, uh, Exalt, which we've done several times, uh, which is our young people leading Eucharistic adoration, or 40 hours, which we just completed this weekend. And maybe we'll think about doing that in a way where more people can attend and be part of it. Um, and so uh, then robust formation, talk about our Catholic faith and talk about the centrality of the Eucharist and how it transforms us, how it transforms marriages and ask God to please pour out his grace on our people. And then how is it is we Catholics take this out as mission, a missionary people. Um, not the biggest, easiest thing for Catholics to do, but I know that we're up to it. Uh, how it'll look in our parish really depends on the pastor and the people. I'd say mostly the people. The pastor's about as committed as he knows how to be. Um, and so uh, hopefully the people will step up and we'll, we'll figure out how it is that we uh, encounter these four invitations to reinvigorate worship, create moments of personal encounter, engage in robust religious and moral formation, and uh, to be a missionary people. But to remember that it's all a miracle, that it isn't dependent on our persuasiveness, 
Uh, it didn't really depend even on how much faith we have. It really is rooted in Christ and what Christ's um, will for the world is. There is a reason we're still doing this 2,000 years later. You look at the history of the people of Israel, they have their ups and downs. But when we gather around the meal and we're happy and joyful together, like the crowd that eats at that hotel in uh, Orvieto, the nice I spent there, up the hill, there's much something much bigger going on. And that's where you and I are all invited to that Eucharistic miracle. So I hope to see you at Mass on the Feast of Corpus Christi. God bless you, because when you eat his flesh and you drink his blood, you're his living image. Think about that.